0: Here we are once again, and we're glad you're with us. This is Season 2 of Faith in Your Recovery. When you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, we're here for you, and we want to be here with you. We're a part of a better life, Brianna's Hope. We're participant-driven, faith-based, compassion-filled, support and recovery movement for those battling the battle with substance use disorder addiction i'm your host randy davis former pastor as well as founder and executive director of a better life brianna's hope just to give you a little background on a better life brianna's hope it all began june 16 of 2014 our first meeting was november 5 of 2014 the time in between there, I used that original date because that's when a young lady in Jay County, Indiana disappeared from her home. Her body was found ten weeks later. Her name was Brianna de Batiste. We're about to hit our eighth year as an organization. I share that with you because our guest today is a part of our organization. Michael Bear comes from a little different background and experience compared to a lot of those folks that we've had the privilege and opportunity to interview. So Michael, thank you for being with us today. Oh, Thanks for the privilege of uh, being here. Uh, we look forward to what you have to share. Tell the folks where you're from and where you're at in life right now.
1: Uh, right now, I'm a Connections Pastor at First Missionary Church in Bern, Indiana, a small town Indiana. Um, But my background has primarily been youth ministry and uh, science teaching. I was a career science teacher uh, in the South Adams schools for 26 years and previous to that, uh, some schools in the Indianapolis area.
0: All right. South Adams uh, has had some pretty good football teams the last few years they here. Some, yes? They have a lot of good at that place. Yeah, and the church is just in the backyard of the school, basically. It
1: is. it is right across the street.
0: Yes. For you folks who don't know, we do our broadcast, our podcast from Anderson, Indiana, Burns about 90 minutes from here, yes? Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, just south of Fort Wayne, what, 30 minutes? Uh, roughly, yeah, 30 to 40, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, depending on where you're at both tails. Depends
1: on if you're following the speed limit or not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. So, Michael, go ahead, share with the folks where you come from in life, and then we'll get into your aspect of a better life, Brianna's Hope, and how you got tied in.
1: Okay. Uh, I um, I grew up thinking that I was going to be a doctor, uh, I, you know, did really well until I started in my sophomore year of college, uh, to see my eyesight fail very rapidly. And I really wanted to do microbiology, you know, bacteria, viruses, things of that sort. And I was a little bit afraid that I wasn't going to be able to, uh, use a microscope, which is kind of important for somebody in that field. At the time I had a blind professor who used to bring a seeing eye dog and bring, uh, the Canterbury tails on this giant Braille backpack. And, uh I was so impressed at how well he would teach. And I just thought, you know, if I lost my eyesight completely, which I didn't, but if I lost my eyesight completely, I think I could switch over to science and dissect frogs and kids would be so amazed. Well, if he can do that unsighted, I could probably get my homework done. You know what I'm saying? Right. So so I switched over to science education and I never looked back. Um, I taught, in fact, I taught 13 years of science in the Noblesville uh, area, and then Indianapolis Park Tudor, where I was also an administrator uh, for 10 years. The um, but I got a calling to go into youth ministry from a church where I had done volunteer work in their summer uh, church camps, and uh, they had a vacancy and they contacted me and they said, "We really think you need to be our next youth pastor." Well, first of all, I was a lot older than most guys coming, you know, right out of seminary. Um, I was married with uh, two, two kids, and I just, I liked teaching. I liked what I was doing. But, you know, the teacher in me was like, okay, this will be a good learning experience. Let's apply and see what happens. And as soon as my wife and I sat through the interview, we both realized that we were being called into youth ministry on a full-time basis. So I really thought it was going to be just a couple of years to kind of write this, you know, situation that hadn't, you know, had been left kind of a vacancy at this church Uh, But we ended up staying for 10 years. And during that time, I just found a a real love for people and for reaching out to people who were in a world of hurt. And um, so that was sort of my training, I I guess, to then come back into the teaching field um, because I missed the classroom. But, you know, I brought a lot of those youth ministry things back into the classroom. Uh, In fact, my principal who hired me at South Adams, joked after we had our sit-down interview, he says, so what you're telling me is you want to be uh, a youth minister in a public school who teaches science. And it's like, yeah, that's really pretty <laughs> much it. And uh, he laughed because he said, that's exactly what we want. I was going to say, obviously, he was, it was okay with it was that. A great, it was a great ride. I taught physics and earth and space science and you know, continue my love of You know, everything from digging dinosaur bones up to, uh, you know, looking at the nighttime skies to, you know, studying every possible way a Rube Goldberg
0: contraption can work. Yes, yes. All right. Now go ahead and lead the folks into, you know, your present ministry now and— through your experience with students and younger people, sure. where your heart was as far as recovery. Did you even dream about, or were you aware of many addiction issues during that time? Or just, yeah, go ahead, fill us in.
1: I, I never once dreamed that I would be anywhere around recovery. Uh, I grew up in a family that uh, alcohol, drugs weren't weren't, were never an issue. So no. addiction
0: was never a part of your life?
1: Never a part of my life. Um, it had uh, some remote connections in some, you know, extended family, um, but no, I was never faced with it. My parents didn't drink, I didn't drink, I didn't smoke, I didn't, we, we just kind of didn't, it just wasn't a part of our day to day. But as a teacher, I, I clearly recognized, you know, I was pretty sensitive, especially after that time of youth ministry, I started to realize kind of what I a lot of times think of uh, what I nickname kind of the thing beneath the thing. You know, you'd see the kids that wouldn't do their homework. That, that's like the thing. Or they'd be behavior issues in the classroom. You know, that's the thing. But, but what's underneath that's causing all of that? that? That was something that I couldn't work with in, the, in, in school, really you know, other than to try to be a listener and to be compassionate, you know, to try to sure. help them understand that they were accepted in my class, regardless of those kinds of issues. Um, and so I, I think a lot of the youth ministry time and then a lot of the school time just really kind of softened up my heart for people in in a, a recovery journey because, you know, Randy, all of us are on a journey and all of us are in recovery at, of something, you know, and um, for me it was a being abandoned by my first wife, you know, after just a few months of marriage, you know, and, and abandonment, you know, that's a recovery that has been a struggle. Sure. You know, when you, uh, when you have relationships that suddenly are parted, you know, it, to lose a spouse is one thing, you know, if they, if they pass, but if they choose to walk away, then, then that's a different, that's a different kind of hurt, you know? Um, so at any rate, so I, I I think, you know, I just felt like my life and, and my heart and my soul maybe were just kind of being uh, kind of needed and molded and, and kind of softened up to where I'd be really receptive to to uh, working with people in recovery. So I retired from teaching three years ago uh, or thereabouts. I'm, I wasn't a math teacher, so I don't always get my numbers right. Um, but I retired from teaching, and I was pretty content that I was just going to do some sort of volunteer work or something, and fell into uh, this church position um, uh, primarily due to COVID and due to filling in for a, a person who had been hired, but because of COVID wasn't available to start right away. And and uh, this particular church where I'm at, uh, honestly, 90% of them were either former students or their parents or their grandparents. So it was a pretty smooth it was a pretty smooth move in there and then as I got in there it just all of that compassion that I'd had for those kids that I knew were hurting you know I just saw here's an opportunity to start to start to reach out to them so my official title is a connections pastor is to try to connect people you know not you know back to church and back to god but certainly to connect with each other you know and um, in recovery, that's one of the pieces that's often been disconnected. Yes.
0: So as you move forward in that, how did it play out that you became a part and a leader of a recovery group?
1: We, um, I, I have a reputation for kind of being outside the box. In fact, people don't think that I think outside the box. They just think I don't even have a box and so in our church, we were trying to find ways of, of dealing with some real current issues. You know? And one of them was the, the issue that was in the news a couple of years ago about you know, law enforcement brutality and, and, and situations there. And we really wanted to just kind of get our people locally equipped to know, so what's our local law enforcement like? I mean, is, is this a problem for us or is this more of a media you know, kind of situation? And so we brought in um, uh, several law enforcement officers to do a panel discussion on a Wednesday night at our church. <clears throat> and we, we called it law and disorder rather than law and order like the television series. And so for the law component, we brought in a, the Adams County Sheriff. We brought in a, a couple of law enforcement officers. And and then we brought in for the disorder part, we brought in this guy named, um, well, you know, Randy Davis. <laughs> who worked with this organization called Brianna's Hope. You know, a couple of our people at our church had, had heard you and knew of you. I don't know that anybody really directly knew you, but they said, yeah, this could, this could give us the other side of the issue. And uh, to be real honest with you, uh, everybody just fell in love with the presentation that night and, and realized that there was a lot of truth shared about a community that, that honestly has, a, you know, kind of a, a, well, we have a thing beneath the thing. You know that even among a family-centered you know town, that um, there there's problems. You know with uh, substance abuse and with alcohol and with with the crime that comes along with that. Oftentimes, so we uh, we just, we made a commitment to try to to get involved with that, uh, knowing that you know this platform of Brianna's Hope is a little different than the platform of Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous or Celebrate Recovery or or whatever. But but. But we really liked that approach, and we felt like that was a great starting point for us. So after uh, six months of really checking things out and reading through the resources, having all of our church staff, and then later on our volunteer people for uh, Brianna's Hope uh, go through the the Team Hope training, the leadership training, uh, we rolled it out uh, six months later, and uh, we've been in place for uh, 18 months now.
0: Congratulations! Yeah, we're glad you. to have you there. Oh, we're so happy. The community has to be, and individuals as well. We appreciate what's being done, and uh, it hasn't brought any damage to the name of a better life, Brianna's Soul. Well,
1: that, that's that's good. You know, I, I, part of part of my favorite, you know, my favorite piece of it is just the nickname that you know that some of our own people came up with is this concept of a bonus family. You know, uh, one night, you know, I asked this one volunteer who, you know, we'd sign people up for rotations, but then we had people that just never went away. They kept coming week after week after week as volunteers. And and I just one time just asked, you know, in, in front of everybody, I just, why is it you, you you come every week? You don't have to. Why do you do this? And, and she just, she spoke up what all of us were feeling. And that is... You know, I, I, I have my own family that I was born into, you know, and we're supportive and we love each other and so on. But this is the family I elect to come to every Thursday night. This is the family I choose to come to because I love the stories. You know, we, we use this, this mantra, you know, um, with the identification tags that we give for milestones. When our first attenders show up, they receive this little dog tag that just says, your story matters because we truly believe that. And so as we hear people's stories, you cannot help but just fall in love with them. You know, they, they may look totally different than you and their stories may be totally different than yours. Um, they, have, they have experiences that I never would have imagined, you know, um, but I knew that those were the kinds of experiences that those students had gone through. And then uh, a few students started to come to our meetings you know, we had a good relationship as a student and a teacher in the classroom. And I think, you know, sometimes they get to about that, the late 20s or the 30s and they just realize this isn't working. You know, this alcohol, this substance abuse, this addiction, it's just not working for me. And so they, they start to get really serious about recovery. And so where do they come? They come to where they feel support and they don't feel a stigma.
0: You know, we need that. I don't care who we are. We need that connection. We need that support. We need that feeling of love that's expressed through a bonus family, however we may label that group or with. Exactly. I'm convinced that's why there are organizations. that We want that togetherness. Sure. And the impact we can make as a group, uh, I don't care what the club group organization is, the Difference, what we can give to a community, the experiences. But I want to draw a little more attention to the fact of you not coming from an addiction background. Right. Michael, I'm the same way. You know that. But I want to make sure the folks out there listening know that as well. My addictions were Reese cups and uh, Snickers and I had a love affair with little Debbie. Okay. okay, okay. Uh, I've gotten away from all of that. And that's much better for my diabetes, I can assure you that. But in a way, I was doing plenty of damage to my own self with that addiction. And I know that doesn't compare to... Cocaine, heroin, marijuana, cutting—so many other addictions. But I do know, and I think you and I are on the same page with this. When you care about people, you can overcome a lot of those things you may not have in your tool bag.
1: Absolutely, it's it's forced me to listen more intently. You know, because I know I don't have those lived experiences. So I have to acquire that wisdom and that insight through other people's lived experiences. And to get it right, I just have to listen really, really hard.
0: I told the a Better Life, Brianna's Hope group that began there in Red Key in the very beginning. I said, you're going to teach me more than I'll teach you. Oh, for sure. Uh, that you're going to have stories to share with me that's going to make me a better me. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, I was able to overcome some of those self-inhibitions and that kind of setting and become, I, I am comfortable with it. I almost hesitate to say that. Uh, I know there are those groups that some of us just don't feel as comfortable with but I love the people I get to deal with. and They've had as much impact on my life as I could ever dream of having on theirs. I talk about a better life, Brianna's Hope, touching, changing, and saving lives. They've done that for me. The way they've touched me and changed my life has has brought new life to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like you, I've waited until my... Or real near my retirement years, about four years before I retired. This wasn't the plan, not my plan. No, same here. I, I know it was God's plan. That's why I'm where I'm at and loving the opportunity. Tell us about the Impact that you believe your chapter has made on the burn community, that area, the folks who have participated or set outside maybe in the beginning as skeptics or scoffers. Uh, yes. And yeah. you had to have them. Yeah, of course we had them. You know, there were
1: people who um, looked, you know, first of all, they, they, they questioned whether I could even, you know, be a part of a leadership since I didn't have the lived experience. They questioned the fact that we had so many people who were interested that we trained them all. You know, so initially, you know, uh, there were people who said, you've, you've really got to start this group with just one or two volunteers. And, you know, uh, you've got so many volunteers coming that they'll just scare away individuals. And, and you know what, we were aware of that. I mean, we were pretty savvy with that, but it's like, yeah, but then if they don't connect with one or two people, there's still other volunteers that they can connect with. And, and that's truly what happened. Um, and so the impact, I think my favorite impact was, yeah, we've made some impact on some families who are struggling with addiction. Uh, sometimes it's with the actual people who have their addictions. Many times, it's the families who don't know how to support them. They don't have the addiction themselves, but their family is certainly impacted by the addiction that maybe a son or a father or a, a, a grandparent has. And so now they, they've got a, a resource that they can come to, like we become kind of this hub where here's where you can come to get, you know, resources. Not that we are the fix-all, but we can help connect you with other agencies, with other services. Um, there's so much need for like, for, for just social types of, of assistance. You know, the finances that some people have, because, you know, we all know that in, in addiction that there is just a spiral and the spiral goes down the drain. It doesn't come upward. And so we know that sometimes there are, there are issues with finances. There are issues with transportation. You know, but transportation is needed to get to work so you can maintain good finances, so you can supply the food and the health, ins- oh, the health insurance. Well, sometimes, you know, the addiction has caused your, your body to have different health needs, you know, requirements than other people. And and so that spiral is just so overwhelming for some people that that I think they just decide, I, I can't get out of this, so why try? And so our bonus family is really there to help keep, people encouraged that it's worth the effort.
0: And to give their energy and efforts to help them find that answer. Yes. They've got to do the work, that individual. Sure. But your team can drive them there. Your team can help them get there. Yep. Then it's on their shoulders and in their heart.
1: And then, you know, to to share just an anecdote, I remember when some of our Brianna's Hope family our bonus family would come to our church you know i mean they'd never set foot in that church before except for meetings but now that they're in that building and they feel comfortable and they they know that they're going to know individuals on a sunday morning now they're a little more you know willing to come and attend and sure be around their bonus family on another day in another setting and so the interesting part was especially when it first started to happen You'd see, you know, somebody walk in that, you know, obviously hasn't been at this particular church for a while. And then one of our, you know, mainstay, you know, families goes running up to them, hugging on them. And just the little side eye of people like, D- you know, do you know that person? And of course they're like, yeah, this is my family. And we would, we would know what we were saying. but But I think people just didn't realize, oh, well, then I guess it's okay. You know, it just gave permission for people to reach out to other people that they didn't know. And that's just a great, you know, that's, that's an infection that I loved seeing spread.
0: Oh, that breaks down the wall in so oh, many sure ways. Does. Because we all have that group. Absolutely. That we're not overly positive about. Yeah. And are they really welcome? Do We say we want them but do we want them seated next to us with maybe those track marks or that long sleeve shirt in the middle of summer covering it up? Sure. We read their name in the paper last Sunday about an issue. But that is indeed what we're about. With A Better Life, Brianna's Hope, we take people on a pretty raw stage.
1: We do, and we do everything we can to just really – you know, reduce the harm that they're going through physically and emotionally and spiritually. But then also we're there to, to really fight the stigma, you know, that a lot of times the reputation is the one thing that just keeps them trapped in that addiction, you know?
0: Yes. Uh, some of that's cast upon them by those folks outside of the addiction community, right. and sometimes they place it upon themselves. That's right. But either way, we can get in there and help show them a difference in that idea of acceptance and the freedom to to be themselves and not be overly judged
1: for it. Sure. You, you I know that you're aware that uh, we discovered a few months ago, just a little video clip, um, that... And as a science teacher of this, you know, I immediately jumped on this because I see this little video that went viral on, on the internet um, of like a turtle that's upside down in some pretty shallow water and he's struggling to get flipped over. And in the course of 18 seconds, you see these other turtles just swimming over toward him or crawling over toward him. And on cue, they flip him back upright. And when I saw this video and I I used it for one of our meetings, you know, I mean, I used it for the very next meeting because I just realized, oh, there is such a rich truth to this. Um, We just then asked people, how is this us? And just the flurry of comments and connections that they made has now, I mean, being a turtle is kind of a a little nickname for our our chapter, as you know, not only are we bonus family, but we're all turtles. And... And sometimes people, just to encourage someone else, I'll just send out a little text or a little Instagram post and just say, turtle, turtle. It's like, I'm thinking of you, you know, and I'm here for you. And uh, what what a wonderful connection! We even give out little stuffed turtles as you know. I know you were you know the recipient of one of those here just a week ago,
0: and I am proud of that. And it sits high and by itself on my file cabinet in my office. That's, next that's awesome. That's awesome. You can hardly walk in without seeing it. Okay, yep. but that's
1: what we're in the we're in the business of doing is to flipping turtles. You know, um, yeah.
0: But, and folks, you can. I can't give you the proper title for that, but I know you can Google it. Uh, something about turtles connecting and flipping turtles. Exactly. That'll uh, get you there. Yeah. it's And like Michael said, it's 16, 18 seconds long. It'll take you longer to get there than to watch hmm. it. But don't watch it once. You've got to see the way the water churns. And nobody stood up and said, let's go help him. Everybody went. To help,
1: yeah, it wasn't a committee, it wasn't a <laughs> program, it was just no
0: vote this, needed. This is what we do, that's who they are. That's right. So, the next time you're called a turtle, it's not going to be a total reference to your speed in and life. No, not at all. Not yes, at all. yes, it, it's truly a compliment, and I wear it with pride. And that's one of those things that uh, it will impact you. So, we invite you to go check that out. Michael, as you know, the the title of our podcast, Faith in Your Recovery, tell us what that means to you and how that's played out in your life.
1: Well, I think there's lots of different levels of faith. You know, for me, one of the big faiths is in in God, in, in his son, Jesus. All right? Uh, that's right. That's been uh, the go-to. That's been, for me, the plumb line that I keep trying to go to to see what's upright and what's truthful. Um, but then there has to be some, some belief in myself. I mean, if I'm going to put myself out there and, and work with a a group who meets, you know, with a chapter of Brianna's hope or with a, a church group or anybody who meets together, I I have to know who I am. You know, I have to know where I'm gifted and talented, but I also have to know where I I don't have this, you know, I've got to rely on another resource or another individual. And, and I love to co-teach or to co-partner with somebody. Um, because it just brings out the best in each of us, you know. And so that's been such a wonderful piece of uh, the, the chapter of Brianna's Hope. And it's true of a lot of other Brianna's Hope chapters. It's not based on the strength of one individual leader. It's the way they, you know, like you said, it's the way they, the turtles come together and flip turtles that have gotten upright. The um, I think the other belief is to believe that there is something in an individual who's broken and downhearted, that you believe in something that they maybe don't believe in themselves, uh, that you see the good in someone or you see the potential in someone, or maybe you even see what's happening right now, but they're, they're so clouded with their, their addiction or with their guilt in their recovery journey because they've relapsed or they've slipped or they've, uh, or they've given up on themselves. I think it's important to believe in other people. And um, and and I I love I love the outcome that that produces when you put that into action, you know, and you believe in them, and then they start to get a little bit of confidence, and you see them going from you know some of our participants who've kind of you know come in just broken, you know, their head down, they won't they won't talk, they you know, and then you see them maybe weeks or months later, and they're the most confident, sharing their story. Telling the ugly and the, the dirty and the messy and then and then sharing that this this is how I can come through this and this is how you can come through this yourself.
0: I remember an individual early on in our organization and our meetings leaving a meeting, pulling me aside and making the comment something like, You guys loved me before I loved me. I've heard that before. And, and that's that's what we want to be about, that Absolutely. compassion aspect. Yeah. I think that I want that to be our strength mm-hmm. uh, regardless of who you are, whether you're in leadership or you're one of those folks that's attending, whether it's your own addiction, a family member, we want to share that compassion of Christ because I believe that's where all good things stem right. from. Right, right. Scripture's proved that out. So, Is there anything else you'd like to share with folks about ABLBH or your experiences uh, in this area, Michael? I'll tell you what, my experiences are highlights
1: every week. You know, we've been, I've been involved in this, uh, you know, at least with our meetings for 18, 18 months. And uh, I think I've only missed maybe two meetings in that 18 months and every week, I walk away with an, a new appreciation for someone, for their story, or a new appreciation for someone who has reached out to just help somebody else, and you hear about it. You know, one of the big part of our uh, our meetings is the, the victory reports. When we just talk about, so where have you seen a victory this week? And you know what, we applaud every one of those individually. So sometimes those things go on and on and on. And it's just really good in our culture to be able to applaud positive things that happen and celebrate them with somebody else. It's like, I'm not applauding because I got something good. I'm applauding because
0: you got something good. Amen. And I I love hearing those as well. And I'll never forget one night, this was somebody who who simply did not have what I've been blessed to have, uh-huh. okay, uh, through struggles and a lot of different situations and circumstances. I will never forget her saying, for the first time in my life, and she was like 42, somewhere in that range, for the first time in my life, I have a car work. All four doors are the same color.
1: Yes,
0: (laughs) That may not sound like much to you and me, but when you had to drive something, you wondered if it'd get you to the corner or not. And she finally had a car that would get her wherever she wanted to go. She was on top of the world. And she's still living there today. And we're thankful for that. That's a great story. So, yes. So, listen. Thank you. Thank you for all that you do there at Byrne with ABLBH, your ministry, your witness and testimony. Thank you, Randy. Folks, uh, wow. I don't know what to say other than we're here for you. We want to be here with you. And when the battle gets too big or before it even gets too big, get involved, connect. Get to a group. We've got several at our ABLBH sites and a good way to find out where they are, check out our website at ablbh.org. Shoot us a, an email, a podcast at ablbh.org. We'd love to hear from you, but stick around. Tune in again. God bless. Stay in the battle.